Hey, great day. So before we get into today's podcast episode, I have a huge announcement. We are bringing back the Abundant CEO Private Practice Bootcamp. This is a three-day virtual party that I'm inviting all mental health therapists that either want a private practice in the next six to 12 months, or you already have had a private practice, maybe for the last year, five years, or even over a decade, but you want to understand wealth and cash flow in your company. You want to learn how to show up as a CEO and work more on your business versus in your business. Maybe you want to assess the health and the wealth of your current or future private practice to really see if you're on the right path to increasing your revenue, to growing your practice, maybe to streams of income later, or maybe even a group practice. Bottom line is you will walk away from this three-day bootcamp clarifying and understanding your niche, understanding how to show up as an abundant CEO, and most importantly, assessing the health of what you believe is a profitable private practice. So head down to the show notes and go to the link drtk.com forward slash links and sign up for the bootcamp. I'll see you there. Now let's head into the podcast episode. Hey, great day. Welcome back to the podcast. So this is a very special episode. Throughout the month, I head over to YouTube and I stream live. I answer questions or I host workshops on things for private practice, digital products, and I also have special topics that I cover related to career paths for undergraduate students, graduate psychology students, and also licensed mental health providers. So one thing that I want to um, just give you a heads up is if I ever reference something that is on the screen, but clearly you cannot see it. You can always head down to the show notes and we will link up the direct video so that if you would prefer to just watch the video on YouTube, you can click that link. Um, If you also want to feature a question that can be on one of our future podcasts, head down to the show notes, go to drtk.com forward slash links, and there will be a button that says upload your podcast question. Now, one thing that I would highly recommend is for it to be as detailed as possible. Each month, my team and I, we review all of those questions. And depending on what type of question it is, it may be dedicated to a full episode or it may be featured in a laser Q&A. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast episode. My name is Dr. TK, and on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant tools to help you become the CEO of your business and life. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist working for a government agency and being a professor for over 18 years into building a multi-six-figure mental health business and seven-figure digital product business and doing what I love. Now, I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapists Deserve Abundance Podcast. Hey, grateful day, everyone. This is Dr. TK, um, host of the Therapists Deserve Abundance Podcast. Um, Happy Motivational Mondays. I wanted to go live um, this time while we are doing our podcast episodes. And I know that from time to time, I go live on places like Instagram, Um, But I know that when it comes down to workshops, um, it definitely appears as though the engagement in terms of long period, you know, longer workshops are just better on YouTube also that I can share the screen. And so hold on for just a second, y'all. 
Okay. So people are you. So if you're watching on Instagram, hop over here to YouTube if you would like, or you can stay over on the Instagram platform. So today is a very fun topic. Um, I am actually going to be talking about the things that I did um, to leave my six-figure job. It was a little over six figures to be exact. It was like $130,000, but let me adjust this. But I'm really excited to talk about this topic because um, on social media and in the communities that I serve, I find that, you know, some people want to leave their nine to five jobs. Some people are in a particular mindset in terms of fear. They think about stability, which, you know, I get it. Um, Some people have limiting beliefs about what is possible for them in their own business as well. And I just find most more so than not that people end up I'm going to say paralyzing themselves to believe that you can make it on your own and in your business. But I also believe that it has a lot to do with you not having the proper steps set up. And so in this uh, podcast episode, I really want to um, dive deep into all the things that happen. And I can guarantee you based off of, you know, me scripting out my notes that there's going to be a part two. Like, I I can tell you that right now. Okay, so let me actually, just for streaming purposes, let me actually uh, take down all of these different tabs (laughs) because it's raining out here. I don't know what the weather is out there for you all, but out here, it has been raining for like three days. And so when it rains, uh, you know, the internet starts tripping. All right. So if you see me looking off to the side, you know, I have my podcast notes. I want to make sure that I include everything because we're also going to be uploading this to the audio podcast. Okay. Um, so I'm going to act like I'm interviewing myself because these are the questions that have come up in our community when people have asked me, what steps did I take to leave my nine to five? So first things first is where did I work? And so I worked for um, a government agency, a large county. I'll just leave it at that. But some people know what that is. It's the largest county in California. But I worked for a county department of mental health. Um, now, I chose to work in the juvenile justice system, but how that worked is that you have Department of Probation, you have Department of Health, you have all of these other departments, including a Department of Mental Health. So when I started working in the Department of Mental Health, it was after I graduated from my doctoral program. It was after, or I'm going to say during the market crash in 2008, 2009. So just to give you a little bit of context, because I think that we are living in a season very similar to this. I mean, you know, the 2008 right now, it just, you know, it's more on inflation versus um, the housing market crash. And it can put people into a state of fear. And that's really what I want to talk about today while I'm interweaving all these um, how-tos and steps and things like that, because I feel like a large portion of human beings right now are literally in a state of fear, but nobody's talking about it, okay? We're just talking about all the abundant things that you can do, but let's be real. I want to carve out time for us to have these real conversations. And so um, I chose to get that job because at the time when the market had crashed, I could not find a job when I graduated from grad school. So imagine having six figures of student loan debt and you can't even make your first payment within six months because you don't even have health insurance because you don't have a job. Okay. So um, also we had to give up at the time where I was living at in LA, I couldn't pay the rent. So there were a lot of shifts that had to happen. But one thing I do know about me is that I'm very resilient. Okay. So because I'm so resilient, I know how to pivot quite swiftly. And so 
I end up contacting a, an agency that I used to work for in Northern California, where I went to school, because a big part of why I even started working at a institution was because I did my pre-doctoral internship there. And I promise you, as you follow along, what I hope will happen is that you will start to even question the decisions that you have made and look at your decisions, not as a setback, um, but more as a lesson, a, a lesson to be learned. I believe that there's always a lesson in everybody is a walking testimony to what you have experienced. But if you get into more of a paralyzing mindset, then you will just complain about the things that you feel like you should have deserved instead of focusing on what you actually have the capacity to do. And so, um, like I said, graduated, was already in LA. And then I moved back up north for literally 10 months to get a job at an old practicum internship site that I used to work at during my grad school program. And they had just started a um, grant for us to come and do therapy. So fast forward, I was out there for 10 months and I had told people in my family, I would not move back to Southern California unless I was working for this particular county agency, because at the time I'm seeing it as stable. And we're going to define what stable truly means, because if that's your reason as to why you have either stayed at a job or some of you keep a stream of income, um, you really want to redefine what stability means to you. Because some people only think about it as I need that money coming in, but you don't weigh in the other things that are actually hurting you, whether it be short term or long term. So I made an agreement. I would only come back if I was working for that institution. I, didn't, I wasn't very specific with the location. So I received a letter in the mail. This is actually a whole podcast episode within itself, but I'm not going to give the details. Let's just say that this agency does not do hiring fairs for the position that I was working for. And I knew it was a red flag when they was doing a hiring fair. But nevertheless, I made arrangements. I came down to LA. I got the job in a very quick manner. And it, it I end up working in the juvenile justice system, but under the Department of Mental Health. So I loved, I love, even still in present tense, I love working with the re-entry population. I also love working with those who are in institutions because they're still human. They just made a mistake, just like some of us, you know what I'm saying? It's just that some people's mistake was a lot bigger, harsher, and then they, you know, they got locked up. But nevertheless, I love that work. And if we look at a reflection of where I come from, which is Compton, California, black and brown males have a higher probability of going to jail, you know? So my biggest thing was to get back. So I went and I first worked in the camps. When I started working there, I was not licensed as a psychologist. I was a postdoc, which means that I was waiting to take my second exam. And I was making around $60,000, okay? Now, at the time, I was also uh, teaching at, at that time, I think I just started teaching at three different colleges. So some people who hear that try to figure out like, how did you do that? Aren't you tired? But I truly believe that once you start doing stuff that you love and you create space to create the schedule that you desire, you will realize, not saying that you can't get tired, but you will realize that the level of tiredness that would be with other people is not with you. So don't try to compare your level of energy to somebody else's because it could look completely different. So at the time I was working at the camp 10 hour shifts. Okay. So that was like Sunday through Wednesday. When I was first working there, when I moved back down here, I was in a previous marriage. It was already on the rocks, but it is what it is. I moved down here, stayed with my mom at the time and saved up to purchase what I thought would be our first home, but it ended up being my first home. Cause if you don't know my story, I ended up getting divorced 
the following year, but it was already on the rocks, you know? So um, Speed Up got licensed, working there, and my salary went from $60,000 to $81,000 plus full paid benefits. They go that B word. We want to stay at a nine-to-five job, sometimes just for the benefits. And granted, benefits are not cheap. They're highly valued. Nevertheless, I signed up and I just stayed there, okay? So in the midst of getting a divorce, having a full-time job, having uh, different streams of income, like teaching at schools, <laughs> that wasn't enough. I had already started my private practice in 2012. So I started working in the camps in 2010. Um, my second year there, I started doing my own solo practice. And so the way my schedule looked was Sunday through Wednesday, I would do those things. On Thursday, I would teach. On Friday, I would teach. And I started my caseload just on Saturday morning. So what we teach in our private practice academy is gradually uh, cluster your clients on days that you know you can deliver for a long period of time. So it would not have been best if I had a evening client, especially with me getting home at, like at eight o'clock at night, working 10 hour shifts. I would leave home at like 4.30, carpooling two hours away. Okay. Then I would have to carpool two hours back home. It's not a joke in traffic plus a 10 hour shift. That means I was working 14 hour days. So it would not be wise for me to see clients that I'm pouring into and they're dumping on me because I got to hold their stuff. When you're a psychologist or a therapist, it would not be wise for me to see them on those days. So I chose to spread it out, do teaching in between because that's lighter. It's, you know, it's still fun, um, but it's just a different crowd. And then I saw my therapy clients on that. Day, okay. So that's how my schedule looked. And I, I felt like I needed to explain that to our community because I see way too many times people actually prematurely leaving their nine to five job without a plan, without understanding how their schedule works, without understanding the flexibility of even their other streams of income. Working at colleges, of course, once you get seniority, so you got to get your feet wet, right? I was able to petition and say, pretty much, I knew I was getting the same class every fall, every spring, every summer, if I wanted it. I knew for the colleges that were five to eight week rotations, once I got you know, in the ropes of like always teaching cultural diversity, always teaching assessment in the graduate programs, being a dissertation chair, I created my own stability. Now, does that mean that the system did not become unpredictability? I mean, unpredictable? Of course it did over time, sometimes, but that just means that if one school couldn't offer me a class, I would just pick up a class at another school. So put a one in the comment box if you're watching live or, you know, later, if you if a light bulb went off, like you have to learn how to create your own stability. If you're relying on other people to create your stability for your business, you won't have a business that will last at minimum five years. Okay. So let's recap before I go into some more tips. So before I left, again, in terms of life, I was recently divorced. I did not have any children. I did have other streams of income, such as a very, very, very part-time private practice. And I was working at three different colleges, okay? Um, I was working overtime when I felt like it at the jail because it was readily available, heck, because they have a high turnover rate. But because I love what I do, I just learned how to navigate with like not talking to certain groups of people. You have to learn who you should not be talking to, even if it's other mental health providers, because they at times can create the toxic environment. It doesn't necessarily have to be the organization, the institution, or the clientele. Be very careful about who you eat lunch with, okay? So 
over time, I was, you know, working a lot of hours. But again, I was choosing just to stay an additional two hours here, uh, come on a Sunday that I was supposed to be off and things like that. So within a year of having a private practice, I was able to move from, uh, uh, you know, working by myself on a Saturday to expanding my schedule to maybe five hours on a Saturday. Then once I got Saturday down packed and I started building out my private practice, making mistakes, then I added Friday, but I would only add the evenings on Friday. Then I added the full day Friday. I hope that you can see how I was building. I just didn't go in and say, I'm gonna leave my nine to five job. I jo- and I didn't have no coaching program, but I'm gonna join this coaching program and I'm just gonna leave. No, don't do that. Like you, first of all, you need to prove to yourself that you can be committed to the process that you're creating, (laughs) okay? So if you're not married to being a actual business owner and you want to treat it like a side hustle, please stay at whatever nine to five job you have, even if you're not a therapist there, okay? So within a year and a half to two years, I was able to build from a solo practice, then a group practice. I had eight therapists, eight before I left my nine to five job. Say that with me. I had It's like streams of income, not seven, but eight. I had eight therapists, which was within itself in my group practice, another stream of income beyond my one-on-one clients. So when people sometimes hear the next part of the story that I'll share with you in terms of the case study part of what happened that will make somebody probably leave a job, they only hear Oh man, she was stressed out. It was a toxic environment. Boom, you got to leave. Like, you know, no, it's it's not that clean, okay? So as I had a therapist and I'm building out systems and I became a real boss, a real CEO, I was able with my nine to five job with overtime plus my group practice, excluding the teaching positions, I was able on a tax form together bring in $250,000. So before I left my nine to five job, I was making, on paper, gross $250,000. And granted, the $130,000 probably was around $90,000 to $80,000 net because of taxes. But then, of course, you have tax write-offs and all these beautiful things. And you can give to other people by employing other people in a group practice. But again, a quarter of a million dollars, okay? So what's wrong with this picture? You may hear $250,000. Why did you stay, right? So... I stayed at my job, like I said earlier, because I love what I do. So let's highlight some fears that keep people where they should not be. Like I said, whether it's a nine to five job or you are sitting in a stream of income that you actually shouldn't be in, okay? Even if you did it last year, things evolve, things change, you change, okay? So one fear that came up is stable. Now it's interesting because I didn't really harp on stability, even though I know it's important because I didn't have a lot of responsibility. I had financial responsibility, but I didn't have any any person depending on me at that time. If you were to ask me that now, it would be different, okay? So I thought about stability and honestly, people were in my ear, such as family members, about their definition of stability. Over time, after I got into personal development, this came later because I just got upset with the people, I realized that maybe their mindset was built off of how they grew up. So as a therapist, it's interesting that we can give suggestions to other people about the patterns of why they think the way that they think, but when it's time for us to think about how we're being impacted, about how other people think around us, if you follow, for some reason, like the therapeutic skills that we give to other people like goes out the door. Your anxiety about creating your own business, the strategies for CBT go out the door. Put a one if you agree with that, right? 
it's way easier to sit like on the other side of the couch looking at the client than to sit on the couch yourself. Okay. So um, a reframe that I started giving myself after I started really just investing in personal development. That's when I found coaching, mentorship, books, courses, and things like that. I then reframed it and I say, I start saying to myself, you know what? I create my own stability and everybody's going to have their own definition and some people aren't going to like it, but that's okay. That just means I don't talk to them about my abundance right now, including my mom. Okay. It took me years to talk to her about what was happening in my business even if it's just from a money perspective, okay? Um, so another fear that came up is confidence, limited mindset. Who am I to be building a whole business and I ain't got no nine to five job to fall on, right? <laughs> like, who am I? So then you have all of these confidence, you know, issues and, and mindset, you know, limitations. So a reframe was like, yo, like I felt like there was another side of me that woke up and said, girl, wake up. You got eight whole ass therapists on your team. Plus, one of the therapists, you upgraded her to a clinical supervisor to leverage your time. Now that's a boss move. You have two administrative assistants that take care of your whole back office. That's boss moves. You hired an HR agency to make sure that you abide by the law in terms of human resources. That's boss moves. You don't just have a tax person but you also decided to invest in a CPA. You made sure that you ain't got no issues with the IRS, so you hired an attorney. I was like, you right. Like this, this is what I feel like over time, the conversation I had to have with myself in order to recognize that the fear will paralyze me. It is my job to reframe those fears, get out of my own way and go make a way for what I see in my future, okay? So, I learned and I want you to learn that in order for you to succeed, you have to be your biggest cheerleader. You cannot expect for other people around you, partners, spouses, children, best friends, you cannot expect for them to be your biggest cheerleader if you don't want to cheer for yourself, okay? So people at my job, I'm going to be real, like they were saying things like, I saw your stuff online. You got a whole group practice. They literally will call me into one portion of the jail and say, I don't get it. How much money are you making again? And I didn't care about telling them because I was excited. Like, you should do it too. You know, I was low-key coaching them between clients. But they were like, nah, I'm cool because this schedule works for my kids. And I'm like, so your private practice schedule can't? Well, I don't know if it's going to be like that forever. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it up. You can keep it up if you want to keep it up. Like everything they would say, I would just like dismantle it. And they were looking at me like, if you so quick dismantle me, why are you here? And I'm like, huh, good question. I like actually like what I do. Some of them didn't even like what they did, right? They were just like there. So they were wishing that they had a way out, right? And so I decided after I had that pep talk with myself, okay, you know what? It is time for me to leave. I've given myself all these reframes. I want to do it in six months. And so one big tip, I'm not going to say number one or number two, because I may forget the number, but one big tip outside of understanding why you are at that job is to declare what will be your last date. Even if you don't tell HR yet, like, can you sit with that being your last date? Can you say it out loud? Can you write it on a sheet of paper? Better yet, can you put it in your calendar? Okay, so I had said something like, okay, I'm I'm gonna leave in six months. I didn't say no year and then talk myself out of it six months, okay? So the reason why I chose six months because I wanted to give myself time, A, to stack up six months 
just in case things did not move as quickly as you as you visualize them. Even when people join like our Dope Therapist Academy program, I'm very specific with our marketing. I will never guarantee that you will hit six figures in 12 weeks. Because I would say that for someone to go through our portal, participate in the coaching calls, ask coaching questions, go in our Facebook group and get support and actually implement and build your operating system, it will take you up to uh, 12 12 weeks. And I say that because some people are brand new. Some people have full-time jobs. Some people have children at home, families at home. So everybody's timeline is going to look different. But on average, it can be as little as four weeks up to 12 weeks. I guarantee that you will have the operating systems so that the operating systems will help you build a profitable private practice. I want you to hear that because when you're building a business, you don't want to give out false promises. I don't say if you go through my program, guaranteed you get six figures. Now, will I share when therapists say, hey, this is what helped me get to six figures? But sometimes people, even with testimonials, you only hear that part. You only hear the caseloads being full. You only hear people got off insurance panels. But what you did not hear is that they hired people. You did not hear that in order for them to hire people, they had to sit down and build out the standard operating procedures, which means that they had to get everything out of their head onto paper or on a Google Doc, and then they had to videotape it to then learn leadership skills to then go and train someone else and find the right person because that can take time. Patience. That is a boss, okay? But we don't, we don't want to hear that. All we want to hear is we want money, okay? So I looked at the following before I left my job. First things first, because I do have medical conditions to attend to, is I looked at what does my job give me in terms of health benefits? All you have to do is A, either call your health provider and tell them to give you an outline of every single category of what you get. So for me, I knew one day I wanted to have children. So I looked at, you know, I don't care if it was two years further because I was, you know, recently divorced. So I was like, it ain't going to happen no time soon, even if I'm in my 30s. I'll wait. But what I looked at is, okay, with the plan that's more equivalent to the plan that I have through my job, which the insurance provider, it would be technically platinum, which is the highest HMO. I didn't have PPO, right? Because that's what they, well, I chose HMO for, for a doctor that I wanted. So it platinum at the time was like $400. So the county was paying for it. So I was like, huh, I need to stack up money so that my medical insurance is taken care of. Talk to a tax person, it's tax deductible. That's all I need to hear. See, some of us are looking at it as an expense and some people, bosses, are looking at it as, I need to be healthy to show up for my business and it's a tax write-off, but you got a problem probably with delayed gratification. So because you got to actually pay it right now and that is not paid for, you like, nope, I got to stay at my job due to disability. Let me ask you, is your happiness the price of $400? Or if we look at 2024, me, my husband, and my son is $1,500. So I can stay at a job that doesn't serve me for $1,500 or I can pay the $1,500 and make $500,000, put it to in a comment box if like that, like you, you see that. And I'm not saying that your business needs to make $500,000. If you're currently making $80,000, could you not make your own $100,000 and then you pay tax deductible like health insurance? And that's the highest. You don't even have to pay $500 per person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just happen to get a plan where I need to be taken care of because of my stuff. So you need to look at what do you need in terms of health benefits? Understand deductibles and all those things and then go and look it up, okay? I also looked at, this is another tip, how much does it cost for my private practice to operate every single month time 12? 
Now, you may be saying, well, I don't work full time in November and December. It doesn't matter. I'd rather you save more than save less. So how much does it cost your business to operate every single month? Now, here's a trick. If you know that you're seeing two clients on the side, you know, <laughs> right now, but you know by the end of the year, you want to have 15 clients in your caseload. How much does your EHR cost? It typically doesn't cost more if you add on clients. It may cost more once you start branching out into group practice, which is a whole nother conversation, okay? So, okay, my EHR pricing won't go up, okay? But what else would you need to pay for once you start getting consistent clients? Do you need to pay for directories every single month? So you may be saying, okay, well, do I need to save for that if that's not gonna happen until June and this January? I would say to price everything and just make a pot of money in a high yield savings account or something like that. Talk to your money team, talk to your tax person, figure out what's the best bucket to put your money in and just stack it. Then I'm sure if you talk to your money person, your tax person, they will even strategize with you on a percentage, kind of like tithing. Like what can you tithe to your business as a percentage or as a flat amount, especially if you're getting paid the same amount at your job? Now, the only way I can see this not happening, and it's, I know it's inflation, but let's be real, we're living out of our means. Now, some people may say, I'm living out of my means because milk is like $10, organic. Were you living out of your means a year and a half ago? Like, that's what you need to ask yourself. Because if that's the case, I'm not saying deprive yourself, but you may need to cut back. Like, when we look at our grocery bill, there's definitely things in our life that we need to cut back on. And my business makes a lot of money. But that doesn't mean I don't need to reevaluate how we're spending because of the times. And of course, go out there and make more money. Okay? So, again, health insurance, how much does it cost your business to operate? Um, the third, or I'm going to say third, yeah, is how much does it cost for you to have certain team members? So, how much does it cost you to have a bookkeeper? How much does it cost if, if you have a separate tax person? How often are you consulting with that tax person? Because your money looks very differently and you have to have tax strategy, not my scope of practice, in order for you to come out on the other side at the end of the year profitable. In the first one to two years, you may not be profitable. I'm not saying be okay with being red, but be okay with in the beginning of any business being built, especially if it's full time, you may find yourself putting more in with the ROI coming later. And again, if you have the mindset like, I need immediate gratification, I need my money now, sis, you don't want to build a profitable business that will be open in more than five years. Okay. So, Look at how much it costs if you have a team, if you have a graphic designer, if you have a social media manager, all those things. Um, also look at stability of other streams. And so, like I said, when I left my job, I started just creating more space to teach more. So if I felt like my private practice was slow and I knew there was a class coming up that I can teach for five weeks, that's the whole month. Run me the money and I'm making an impact by teaching future therapists. It, it's a win-win. I'm doing what I love. The people are coming to the program because they want to be X in their career. We're both winning and I'm being compensated for it, okay? Um, other areas that I looked at, honestly, pull out your paycheck stub. When you pull out your paycheck stub, you may realize what you forgot you signed up for or what you opted into when you signed up. Some of your jobs actually give you life insurance policies. Maybe they're term, meaning they expire by a certain time or it's like accident, you know, things like that. So one of the insurance policies that I had connected to my job, it was like a hundred and something bucks a month. And what I had called and asked the company, because they 
don't talk to our HR. Like they're not going to report me. Is I asked them, how much would it be if I left my job? And you want to ask that because the rate that you see your job paying is through potentially a corporation or entity structure type of payment. So like for my corporation right now, we have our insurance policy through the corporation. I used to do it just through my name, but I'm like, you know what? Let's make it all the way official. Let's actually do it through the company's name. Okay. So sometimes you may have different rates and you want to be able to call to see what those rates are. Next thing you want to consider is what I call schedule hacking. And so when I knew that I was about to leave my job within that six month period, I then start um, moving people around that could be moved, that could match the schedule that I desire now that I no longer have or will have the nine to five. So I prefer to see a lot of the clients in the daytime. I would reserve the evening time for the teenagers and for maybe the couples who may need a babysitter for their child because I was seeing family units and, and couples. But full-fledged adults. I mean, some of them will come on a lunch break in my office at the time, no telehealth. And then some of them would just, I mean, they, they work swing yard. Never assume that your ideal client is only available like in the evening. There's a lot of people, especially after 2020, that actually is available or can make themselves available in the day. So what am I saying? Don't count yourself out and then just think you can't blossom in your private practice because nobody's willing to move. I remember I had a mastermind client. She was a therapist. She did our private practice program and then she moved into our mastermind for streams of income. So as we were starting to talk about digital product launches, we started talking about her current caseload because she was about to leave her job at a school system in Louisiana. And she said, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. Um, you know, and I said, why? And she said, because I don't think my clients are gonna be able to move. Key phrase was, I think. So I said, have you talked to your clients? She was like, no, but I know like their current situation. Did you ask your clients? Because people who wanna keep you as a therapist a lot of them will move. And what's crazy is, do you know that 100% of her clients, all the adults moved their schedule? They were like, I couldn't wait to get a daytime schedule. I don't want to see you in the evening. I want to spend time with my family in the evening. And I'm like, <laughs> go figure, right? And our coaching call. So don't be afraid to ask, okay? Now, another thing that I want to highlight is pain is temporary. So I realized as I was prepping to leave my job, and I wanted to start building up my caseload beyond the few clients on Saturdays, the few clients on every other Friday, because I had every other Friday off, because I moved from the camp to juvenile hall. Didn't mention that, but I moved from the camp to juvenile hall. And that's where I led into leaving the job because the camp didn't make me leave. It was administration in the juvenile hall that like prompted me to say, this got to go. Okay. So what I ended up doing is just expanding my schedule. So when I was at the juvenile hall, which is around a corner from my house, at the time versus two hours away, I was able to get off and negotiate getting off at a decent hour like five so that either I can teach at six, so negotiate with your employer, see if your schedule can change. Also, see if you can go part-time. If you really love what you do, the government agency that I was working for don't allow part-timers, but your job might. You never know unless you ask. I asked and they said no. So ask for part-time if you have to. Maybe part-time still gives you benefits. Maybe you get reclassified as something else, okay? So when I say pain is temporary, I realized that, and again, I had the leverage of not having any children. I wasn't in a relationship at this time. So I used my situation at the highest level of taking advantage of the situation. And I said, I'm not gonna be tired. I'm not gonna burn myself out. I'm going to make sure to only accept classes that I love to teach. I'm only going to accept overtime at certain institutions that I actually like because for two weeks or three weeks, I worked at Twin Towers, downtown LA. And I'm like, nope, I'd rather see the kids. 
I'm not feeling this adult situation. And it just made me depressed being in that facility. You can't see real sunlight. It's just like you for real in jail. And I'm like, nah. So I just did overtime at the camp and at the juvenile hall. Okay. So I started just expanding the schedule that I already had on Friday and Saturdays. And then once I was filled on those days, what I want you to also hear is that I was learning how to market. For me to test out if I'm going to make it on my own, I needed to market before I left my job. That's another thing that I see therapists do is they say, okay, well, either I joined a program that's going to teach me how to market. My question to you is, have you went out there and implemented what I am teaching or what the support coaches are teaching about marketing? If you haven't implemented it to be able to fine tune your process, because what I teach you, you're going to have to personalize it for your business. You're going to be in trouble because you have it all wrong if you decide to join an online program, a coaching program, a course go in, take the system, and you don't do any personalization, all you're doing is copying someone's systems. If that was the case, I wouldn't have live coaching. I would just provide an offer for you to go to a page and get the DTA portal. But I know in order for you to thrive, you need that support if you so choose, or at least the Facebook group, or you have the ability to come at any point in the future if you need support. Okay. So pain is temporary. Even if it hurts right now, you may have to sacrifice if you can a few extra hours here and there, whether it's to learn how to build your own website because you don't have the money to build it, whether it be creating your own social media post because you don't have the extra overflow to hire a social media manager. They have AI for a reason. Take AI, make it become your first little coach and allow it to at least get you out of writer's block so that you can create. Okay. So my goal during this entire process was focused on what do I want in a year and in five years. I was not making decisions when I was choosing to leave my job and all those things. I was not looking at what do I want in the next month. If you look at what you want in the next month, that may not be enough for you to be motivated. I was looking at creating my own schedule. One day I'm going to have my own kids where I'm going to have another family because I'm wife material. You know what I'm saying? Like I spoke all of those things into my future. Okay. So here's where the pivot happened. Your girl left her job, not in six months, but like less than three. So what happened? I break it down on a podcast episode. So I'll give you the abbreviated version. Okay. So <laughs> met my current husband, got engaged. Selected that we got engaged on his birthday in April in 2015. We decided to do a May wedding. So it was like the following year because we wanted like certain weather and all those things. And as long as there ain't no five-year engagement, I'm cool. You know, so we decided on a date. We found a venue by I think May. It was a venue on the cusp of like LA Hollywood area, very nice area. And um, I started having tension headaches nausea and vomiting, but these things would only happen when I was on my way to work. They would only happen when I was at work. Magically, when I'm getting my car on my way home, I would feel nothing. When I was off on the weekend, I would feel nothing. I went to the doctor twice. They said, you might have anxiety. I said, I love my job. Be very careful about classifying your problem as something else. So what I wish they would have said is, have you ever thought about seeing a therapist? Because again, as a therapist, you ain't thinking about that, right? So I'm just like, man, I'm just trying to get this money. You know what I'm saying? And like, do what I love. And so I wish that they would have actually said like they do now, like, do you want to see a therapist? And I probably would have been like, ding, ding, ding. Yes. You know, but I just said, give me the Motrin, 800 milligrams. So took the Motrin. So what ended up happening is um, there was a whole 
situation that occurred where basically my position was being thrown under the bus to potentially be placed in an unethical position. I'm just going to leave it at that. I explain it on a podcast episode. But what ends up happening is I had made a choice. I made a choice. Will it be my health and my future or will I stay at a job? Clearly, I'm choosing my health and my future. I'm not staying at this job if it's this toxic. No matter if I love what I do, I don't like who I work for because just to put it in context, I wasn't the only one. They had a 70, 67, 70% turnover rate. 67 to 70% turnover rate. And the turnover rate only occurred when this one particular person was in charge. Now, the icing on the cake for me was when, again, the other therapist asked me why I'm here, but the icing on the cake for me was when my direct clinical supervisor that was under this other person, <laughs> he called me in the office and he said, um, I see that you requested to go to two, because they paid for it, two continuing educational workshops. And I know that your license is about to renew soon, so I know these are important. But unfortunately, due to low staff, you can only go to one. And I was like, now you went to none. I think I just, and I've been working hella overtime and I've been covering other people's units and I'm getting into situations with probation in an unethical situation. Like, nah, like what? And I could talk to him like that. I'm like, no. And he was like, such and such said, y'all can only go to one every like three months. And I'm like, this is trash. And so um, I said, well, here's the two. I think one was on sexually exploited youth and the other one was on, <laughs> it was on self-care and burnout. <laughs> go figure. So he said, now, you know that I think I know which one you should probably go to, but it's your choice. I said, man, sign me up for the self-care burnout, man. And he was like, that's an excellent decision, Dr. Jackson. <laughs> so I signed up for it. Now, get this. As soon as I walked in the room, it was all for juvenile justice. And the lady, she had a slideshow up. Now, I knew it was a trick to it, but what she listed was all of the symptoms that a burnout uh, provider would have, but initially you would think that it looked like a therapy client. So what she had told us, she used to work, she worked for prisons on the East Coast, I think in New York. She had told us, this was me before I had to leave my job. And she said, as a disclaimer, she said, oh, before I get into this workshop, the last time I did this, somebody on the evaluation put, thank you for the great insight. I quit my job today. And we were like, what? But what's crazy is, before I got to this training, I always have intentions every time I go to workshops, even if it's to learn something new. And my intention was, I had the question to my higher power, whatever comes up in this workshop, emotionally, spiritually, physically, I can feel it, or what's being taught, I want clarity on how I should maneuver with actually leaving the job that I need to leave sooner than what I need to leave. And the reason why I wanted clarity, it wasn't to leave, it was to leave early because I was going through these panic symptoms, anxiety symptoms. And on top of that, I had just like put down money for a Hollywood wedding that had like a 45 person like inside the wedding party. That don't count the people who came to the wedding. It was like 200 people. So you could imagine, I mean, that's a pretty penny, you know what I'm saying? Plus an Airbnb, just like the experience that I want and that I deserve. So I was like, huh, I don't know if my group practice and all this stuff is going to pay for this extra expense when I pay myself. But that was my belief system. So when I went in, when she said that disclaimer, she woke me up all the way. 
I didn't declare that it would make me leave my job. However, at the end of the training, I did go and talk to her. I explained to her the situation that was happening because there were some supervisors in there that low-key were not supposed to be there because it doesn't allow employees to talk freely, if you get me. And um, I went up to her and I explained everything. And, it's, and she said, it sounds like you know what you need to do. I mean, she has a psychologist and I'm like, oh, come on. And so I took that. I went back to work. I presented on what I learned to other team members. So that's what we had to do. And then I went to the gym and I sprained my ankle. And you may be thinking, what the heck does this have to do with the story? <laughs> so I went to the gym. My trainer had me doing some guinea pig type move. You know what I'm saying? And I'm always like, I'm for it. Hopping over tires and flipping over tires. So I landed incorrectly when I jumped up and did something and I, I twisted my ankle. That made me be off at the jail for a week. Now, what ended up happening is I sprained my ankle on Thursday or Friday. I was supposed to go to work on Saturday. So actually, I wasn't taking off work for the spring ankle. I'm sorry. They asked me that I want to be off. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm just not going to walk around and be on call. So they were like, all right. So, and they were short on staff. So what ended up happening? Oh, so I, when I made the appointment for my ankle, I was like, I probably should make an appointment to see a therapist, but I didn't. Saturday morning, I woke up and I was in a full-blown panic attack at four o'clock in the morning. You would have thought somebody very close to me had passed away, how hard I was crying, and I could not stop it. And I was like, holy crap, I'm in a panic attack, right? And so hyperventilating all those things, called EAP close, it's the weekend. Called my job, told them I ain't coming in for the weekend. I end up making an appointment for Kaiser on crutches, and they end up taking me off for seven days at max unless I go see a psychiatrist. And I'm like, no, I know what the problem is. I don't need any medication, uh, but I could use talk therapy. So they put me in a group. That's when I first learned about the system. So I got put in a group for anxiety. I took the folder. I learned a, a good amount of information and I did my services, right? But on my week off, something magical happened. I wasn't nauseated. I didn't have any tension headaches. I was happy. And on the second day of, I remember it like it was yesterday, I was laying in my bed. Like, I think I just got off the phone with somebody. I was uh, elevating my ankle and it was like an aha moment out of nowhere, like a download. Like, do you recognize you ain't had a panic attack? Do you recognize you're not nauseated? Do you recognize you ain't got no such a headache? And I was like, oh my God, I'm happy. I didn't realize it until I sat still. So sometimes we may not recognize the situation that we're in until you get still because you're running like a hamster on a wheel, okay? So that led me to, I said three months, <laughs> let's go ahead and put in that four-day notice. Am I telling you to put in a four-day notice? No, but I had a group practice popping with a therapist. I'm running my group practice from home. That showed me my standard operating procedures were in tip-top shape after learning how to do one from scratch, right? So I'm like, oh, we gravy. My clients didn't need to be seen because I don't take high crisis clients anyway. That's my avatar. And so I proved to myself in those seven days that my business, one, can run without me being there. My business can definitely run harder with me being there. If I want to see more clients, I can because now I got, hell, four more days on my schedule and I can still teach and teach and teach. It's, it's over. So put a one in the comment box if you need to start learning how to give yourself permission to reframe your limiting beliefs and start literally being your biggest cheerleader. Again, am I saying that you put a four-day notice in at your job? If you heard me from the beginning, I was already bringing in, yeah, collectively, $250,000, but if I removed the 130, I was still making 120 in the group practice and I was still teaching. And that was generating over $50,000 a year. 
Plus, some other streams of income that ain't got nothing to do with me being a therapist, like being a health coach. I'm good. As long as my student loans can be paid, my mortgage can be paid, my credit card bills can be paid, well, whatever I had at the time, and my car note, I'm good. So take advantage of the season that you are in, okay? So um, bottom line is, um, I realized that when I look back hindsight, it's time for me to come on platforms like this and start sharing with people that business is hard. Businesses are not grown, they can be developed, but they are not grown overnight. I don't care what coaching program you join, you can have some serious, huge, huge transformations and actually get your ROI back very quickly depending on your mindset and your execution. Please write that down. Your mindset and execution go hand in hand. It is not enough for you to wake up and have affirmations and say, I'm a great business owner with no action to follow. You have to follow it up, okay? So another uh, one thing I want to leave you with is, this was like a big aha moment that was like, I'm out of here, okay? Is I chose during that season of my life to go hard for someone else's company. So I really had to question myself if I was willing to hell even go back because there's a whole another story to tell with going back to my job out of anxiety in a later chapter. If I'm willing to put my, my health on the line and stay at a job that I love, but that the environment administration is not great, why wouldn't I, without the health issues, why wouldn't I go hard for myself? So some of y'all are going hard for other people and you're going lazy on yourself. Put a one if you receive that. I wrap up. You have chosen to go extra hard, and when I say hard, you may say, "But Dr. TK, it's hard to get private pay referrals because of inflation." That just means you got to be more creative with how you show up. Maybe you need to change your avatar. Maybe you need to work on your confidence because you won't even tell people your real rate. Some of y'all over here like laughing extra hard about all my Kevin Hart like uh, memes on Instagram this week and last week, but it's real talk. You get so caught up in believing that people will not pay your private rate that you tell yourself and the community that people will not pay your private rate. And I'm telling you this because I still, to this day, got this problem in certain areas of my business. I have to catch myself talking myself off the ledge. So how many times have you voluntarily gave someone a coupon code for your services and they didn't even ask for it, but you said, well, they said that they going through a financial hardship, but you don't know that they just bought a $1,200 pair of Balenciaga shoes. People will pay for the investment that they want. But when you show up as a business owner, quote unquote, but you don't act like a business owner, you act like a side hustler selling t-shirts out your trunk, no shade, get your money. But don't, don't expect for people to treat your business like a business if you won't even go hard for your business. I'm going to drop the mic. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so on a scale of one to 10, how did you like this live podcast episode on YouTube, on Instagram, whoever's watching it as a replay, whoever's listening to it on the audio podcast, 10 is, man, even a part I cop was mic dropping great, right? Catch the whole thing. Go back and rewatch it. I'm going to keep it on Instagram. I'm going to keep it on YouTube. We will drop it for our audio listeners. To me, this is one of those episodes that you might have to go back through and listen to again when you can sit down for what, uh, 52 minutes or something <laughs> and actually take in all the nuggets. 
Some of y'all probably didn't have your sheet of paper, so you need to write down. So I'm going to recap, okay? I'm going to recap what I said in terms of the actual things that you need to look at when you want to leave your nine-to-five job. First things first is how much does it cost your business to operate on a monthly basis in a year based off where you want to be at in a year? Number two, how much does it cost for your life to happen? Meaning, how much does it cost your household to run with a cushion? You should be focused on saving up at minimum three months, ideally six months of money. Okay? So, Figure out what your money person, your tax person, a percentage, and you may start with a small percentage. I don't care if you start with $10 a, a, a week. Build up over time, okay? I would also encourage you to what I called um, schedule hacking, which is start to slowly learn different marketing strategies and start to get other clients, don't bring yourself out, but other clients on your caseload so that you can really just show yourself that you know how to get clients if you need clients. Because it's not about filling up every hour of the day. It's really about teaching yourself that you're committed to the the long game, the process, okay? Um, And of course, do basic things like look at your paycheck stuff, see what the job is paying for, if they're paying for anything, are they paying for a percentage? And add that into your cost of living and or what your business expense, you know, will pick up. Okay. Um, and again, ask if you can go part-time for certain jobs, or maybe you can come back in. I didn't mention this, but like as a contractor. Okay. Um, so I'm glad that you've enjoyed the live. I'm going to wrap up. Um, my goal is to go live at least one to two times a week on some weeks. I may just do the boot camp. Um, if you are not aware, we do have a boot camp. Um, we're bringing back the three-day boot camp. So if you go to drtk.com forward slash links, okay, um, it's the link in my bio on Instagram, um, drtk.com forward slash links. It will have the direct link for you to sign up for the bootcamp. If you've been to the bootcamp before, we are doing, we're going to cover the basic topics like niche, um, back office processes, assessing your back office, but something else that I'm adding just because of noticing conversations that need to happen is we are going to talk about how business is hard. And, you know, I'm going to come with the abundance, but I'm also going to come with the 100% truth that not everything that you see at a 1% level on social media is the person's journey. You may typically just see the end result and you sit here comparing yourself to the end result and you on chapter one and they on chapter 25. Okay. So we're going to talk about, you know, you being in therapist, uh, therapy business school. Like, you know, and I do that for every workshop, but I just got some good stuff that we're going to chit chat about. So if you're watching on Instagram, just go to the link in my bio. It is for therapists who either want a private practice within the next three to six months, up to 12 months. Ideally, if you're not licensed, I would encourage you to be ideally three months before licensure, max six months, but ideally three months because you won't be able to implement anything that we're talking about. It'll just make you aware, but I'd rather you come back in three months. Um, It's for people who, therapists who um, have a part-time private practice as well, and they want to go on full-time. If you're full-time and you're making money, I would encourage you to utilize the bootcamp for checks and balances. That's what some therapists do every time we do the bootcamp is they come in and use like my assessment to dictate, are they on track for profitability based off of our framework? Okay. Um, so I hope to see some of you, the bootcamp starts next Tuesday. We're going to be going live Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. 
We will have an, or we do have an online Telegram community. So if you're watching and you're in that Telegram group, make sure to upload a video introduction. And for whatever reason, you cannot upload no video. Like every day I'm having a bad hair day, TK. Then at least put a text and introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm Takesha Jackson. I'm in Southern California. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm part-time in private practice, or I haven't started my private practice, or I'm full-time in private practice, but I feel like something is missing. Talk to us. I believe in active learning and the best experience that you will get from what I can see with other bootcamp members and attendees from past bootcamps over the last three years is we've noticed a trend. Those who participate are the ones who get the biggest transformation out of that bootcamp, hands down, and it's free. Take advantage of it. And yes, I will tell you more about the Private Practice Academy while we're doing the bootcamp and especially on the last day at the end, I'll answer any questions. All right. So I will talk to y'all later. We'll upload this to the podcast within the next couple days or a week. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Therapists Deserve Abundance podcast. Now, I know that flew by way too fast. So if you want more, please head over to our resource page at drtk.com forward slash links for additional abundant resources. Until the next episode, live intentionally abundant.